broadcasting around the entire world. From Austin, Texas. Via Simplecast. And supported by listeners like you. Bitcoin billions seller trading mining markets by sharing forks millions fights wise. Keeping you up to date on everything crypto. Welcome to Thriller News. Now here is your host, Carl Gonzalez. Hello ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world, gather around. It's time for another episode of Thriller News. Today is September 25th, 2019, and today's crypto top story, we're talking backs slow start. That's right. Kind of a fizzled out bottle rocket. Let's talk about it. Crypto top stories. So we've been talking about it for almost two years at this point, <laughs> myself included. We've spent a lot of time diving into what kind of futures contracts they were going to have, what type of market they were going to hopefully create, and ultimately what it was going to look like the day of the release. Well, after those two years of hard work and more than a year of hype <laughs> and regulatory delays from the CFTC, the Bitcoin futures market had a lackluster first day of trading. When the session closed at 2200 UTC Monday, only two daily futures contracts and 71 monthly futures contracts had traded on the new platform. Yeah, <laughs> very much a slow start. Now, the first daily contract didn't even trade until 18 hours after the launch. I guess people were still trying to wake up, but still. It, it ignited a meme storm all over crypto Twitter. Everybody in the entire Bitcoin and crypto space had everything to say about this. And a lot of people said, I told you this is what's going to happen. And lo and behold, we had Adam White, the COO of Bact, And he went on CNN and talked to Julia Chatterley about uh, their release. Take a listen. Just explain in English what this means. <laughs> what this means. This is a big day, we think, not just for Bact and for the Intercontinental Exchange, but for the whole space. Because right. for the first time ever, you have an end-to-end -end regulated marketplace for the price discovery of Bitcoin. So this new emerging asset class, you can now store in a federally regulated custodian, trade on an exchange, and clear in a, a clearinghouse. Okay, so retail participation, institutional, so we're talking bigger money, more sophisticated, arguably money, coming on board? Is that what we're looking at here? BACT is really here designed for the institutional trader. Right. So this is a futures contract. Uh, that said, we expect this futures contract to trade through retail brokerages as well. So retail customers can't trade this contract. So when we're talking about a futures contract, you're offering a daily contract. You're also offering a monthly contract, which means to your point about price discovery, we could get a sense of where people think the price is going over the next 12 months. That's exactly right. So our monthly contract goes 12 months out. So what we expect to see happen is that uh, uh, traders will begin to uh, look at the uh, forward price curve 
to say where do they think the price of Bitcoin is going to go. And that's really important, not just for the speculators, the actual businesses that rely on using Bitcoin. So the miners are the companies that mine Bitcoin and in doing so want to hedge and manage their risk. We think this contract's a natural fit for them. And it would be the first place where we actually see a a sort of clearing price for Bitcoin as well, because we've got so many exchanges right now that trade cryptocurrency. It's tough to get a sense of a, and I use this word very carefully in this space, a centralized price discovery mechanism. That's right. Yeah, we hope the back daily and monthly futures contracts lead price discovery. Yeah. Because you're gonna, we're going to bring with it the on-ramp for institutional capital that's been waiting on the sidelines to have that end-to-end -end regulated marketplace. This is that opportunity to come in, and we expect that that uh, price discovery process to happen through our contracts. You know, we see all sorts of reports on this, that the price has been inflated, that the volumes are inflated. I mean, I think Bitwise did a study recently. It said 95% of the trades on exchanges are fraudulent. They inflate. I mean, you can, you can use as many different adjectives to describe this. How important is what you are presenting today to perhaps tackle some of the perceptions, the, the concerns out there about fraud and about not understanding what the volumes are. We think it's massively important. And this is why uh, BACT and ICE have been working on this product for over two years. So from the ground up, we had to build a crypto custodian to safely store and safeguard our customers' Bitcoin. By doing that, you can then allow a physically delivered contract, which has no reliance on any of the outside unregulated spot markets. That price discovery happens fully within our ecosystem, so we think it's really important. Talk about the custody arrangement, because I think this is also important. One of the big pushbacks I get in this space from people perhaps who don't know all that much is it's not safe, exchanges can be hacked talk about this situation. Yeah, we're backed is here to start changing that opinion. So earlier this summer, we got regulated by the New York Department of Financial Services as a trust. And that's really important because that makes back a qualified custodian of Bitcoin. So institutions that want to trade and have asset exposure to Bitcoin oftentimes are required to not only trade on regulated markets, but to store their assets in a qualified custodian. That's what we're offering. So the primary contention seems that the back platform lacks trading actively mainly because over the last two weeks, everybody was talking about how this institutional herd was lining up to storm the markets and backed was going to be the first place they were going to look. Uh, according to Three Arrows' capital chief executive, Suzu, he stated that the Bitcoin markets will likely start a trickle and then a flood approach to backed. He explained that most of the regulated contracts see low adoption on the first day because not all futures brokers are ready to clear it. And then it kind of makes you wonder too, because the CME futures is expiring here on the 27th, which is less than two days away. Uh, then you also have the end of the third quarter for mostly every company out there in the space. So I think we could probably see some change, maybe around October. We'll see. With that, let's get into crypto rapid fire. So first up in crypto rapid fire, we have Facebook's David Marcus advocates for blockchain based payment network. That's right. He's the head of Calibra at Facebook, and he's putting forth these arguments in favor of blockchain based networks. He says 
Pending on the setup, moving money from point A to point B requires a number of intermediaries to be involved and often demands liquidity pools to be readily available at point B for consumers to get their money out in a timely fashion. But he says some of the advantages of blockchain payment networks like Libra will allow, in turn, massively reduce costs by eliminating the need for so many intermediaries and operational complexity and overhead, thus increasing innovation and access. People would benefit from more ease when they want to send and receive money, and the barrier of access to modern digital money and financial services would be greatly lowered. So he's out there defending <laughs> Calibra and Libra. Next up, we have Fold App is raising $2.5 million to bring Bitcoin Lightning payments to, yeah, Starbucks. That's right. On September 25th, Fold's editor Will Reeves informed the public that the app's users can now spend both fiat currency and Bitcoin at online and in-store retailers by synchronizing their credit card or Lightning wallet. That's right. And then moreover, Fold, the company, revealed new partnerships with investors such as venture capital funds, Kraft Ventures, Goldcrest Capital, Slow Ventures, Fulger Ventures, and digital asset management firm CoinShares, which resulted in that $2.5 million contribution towards further development. And as you might know, there's other crypto rewards projects out there like uh, Lowly, who has teamed up with major American grocery chain Safeway and pet retailer Petco. And um, even American Express is also looking to achieve something with its Hyperledger-based rewards platform. So be on the lookout for more crypto payments platforms popping up. And next up, we have EOS maker Block One expands U.S. footprint with D.C. area headquarters. That's right. Block One is the software company behind the EOS blockchain, and they've uh, actually been able to acquire a large war chest during the 2017 ICO craze. But it was announced that there are plans with Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, along with a $600,000 grant from the Commonwealth Opportunity Fund, to create a proximity close to Washington, D.C. that will allow them to continue building constructive businesses and government relationships as they provide insights for the application of blockchain-based technologies. Yeah, that's right. This is coming from Chief Operating Officer Andrew Bliss. The company already has a Virginia presence with an 80-employee facility in Plattsburgh, Virginia, approximately 250 miles away. The new facility will employ 170 people in professional and IT services and will support the Blacksburg office in research and development. If you don't remember, it was a $4.1 billion initial coin offering in 2017 that Block One was able to to accumulate. It's a lot of ether. Next up, we have Emisoft. That's right. The software firm releases a bug fix for the Bitcoin ransoming malware WannaCry fake. It was announced today in a blog post that this free software will help recover encrypted files without leading to data loss. As you might not know, the WannaCry fake variant is infamous for the WannaCry ransomware that targeted Microsoft computers in 2017. It basically locks the victim's files using AES-256. Now, at that point, the victims are instructed to contact the ransomware distributors through ProtonMail or Telegram and are then provided steps on how to send Bitcoin through Pigeon. Though the virus suggests local Bitcoins as the easiest way to buy Bitcoin, it also sources Coindesk's beginner's guide to Bitcoin for users unfamiliar with the digital currency. That's kind of funny. 
But the malware also warns decryption of your files with the help of third parties may cause increased price. Once downloaded, the MSOft decryptor uses the encrypted file and the original unencrypted version to piece together the keys needed to decrypt locked data because the protocol uses file name extensions to determine the encryption parameters. Users are instructed not to rename their files. But with MSOft software, this will allow users to keep a record of the decryption process by using the save log button. Yeah, it's really neat that they were able to provide that software for free. They're definitely saving a lot of people money out there. And then finally, we say so long to Kick Messaging app as they have shut down following SEC's lawsuit against the ICO. Ted Livingston announced Monday that Kick will also be shutting down its core messaging service. So he said after 18 months of working with the SEC, the only choice they gave us was to either label Ken a security or fight them in court. So with the SEC working to characterize almost all cryptocurrencies as securities, we made the decision to step forward and fight. That's right. He said Ken has over 2000 monthly active earners and 600,000 monthly active spenders. And while losing kick will also have a big impact on these numbers, the continued growth of the Ken ecosystem has more than made up for it. Yeah, they are bullish on some crypto currency called Ken. Yeah. And that's all we got in Crypto Rapid Fire. Let's get on to Crypto YouTube. Crypto YouTube, the world of Crypto YouTube, the world of Crypto YouTube, the world of Crypto YouTube. So today's Crypto YouTube video is a pretty good one. It's uh, from Bobby Lee. He is the brother of Charlie Lee. That's right. The uh, creator of Litecoin. And he's been doing the rounds lately. He's out there promoting his new product called Ballet. It's a cryptocurrency wallet. But he talks to Invest Asia here recently about China and Bitcoin. Check it out. But before we get started, let me just share with you some secrets about Bitcoin in China. Secrets from, the, from two years ago in 2017. It turns out, speaking to some reporters uh, and also Wolfie, it turns out not a lot of people knew about this. So uh, I'll share some secrets. And, and applause if this is new to you, okay? Or applause if, if it's not new to you. Uh, in the spring of 2017, the PBOC and the State Council actually formulated real plans to license and regulate cryptocurrency exchanges uh, and they were planning to issue three exchange licenses, and this was in the spring of 2017. This is right after the price went above 1,000 US dollars, uh, and they started cracking down in China. Their intention was actually to regulate cryptocurrency exchange and issue three licenses, and among them, BTCC was gonna get one of the licenses, okay? But that was in the spring, and soon after, things changed quickly in China. The plans were shelved by the summertime. Remember the WannaCry virus? That's when there was a lot of ransomware that asked for Bitcoin. So that whole episode gave the regulators sort of worry that Bitcoin is used for illicit bad purposes. So it, it tainted the whole Bitcoin thing in this, in this late spring, early summer. And that's also when the ICOs and the multi-level marketing schemes really took off in China. So by the summertime, by June, July timeframe, they actually changed their plans and they didn't tell me about it. So I was still eagerly waiting to get that license. Um, and then, 
very surprisingly, by late August, early September, the final hammer came down. So the, the date was September 4th. That's when they issued a guidance that banned all ICOs, token offerings, all sorts of illegal fundraising. And in that document, in the very bottom, there was one clause, the catch-all statement. It also banned um, crypto to fiat exchanges. So for the longest time, we thought that actually meant just you know, ICOs exchanges, but not actual Bitcoin exchanges. But later we got clarification that ban also applied to any crypto exchange, including Bitcoin, uh, as long as it converts to fiat like B, it was uh, not to be supported. So essentially all exchanges closed down the following month. Okay, so that's the inside story of 2017. We can chat more on stage. Uh, how about today in 2019? What's going on in China? Well, Bitcoin is alive and well. Trading Bitcoin alive well, lots of OTC players, they all settle and use USDT credits on platforms to allow you to buy and sell. Essentially, you, you buy Bitcoin by changing your B into USDT, which gets put into your platform, uh, and then you can buy Bitcoin and vice versa. You sell your Bitcoin into USDT and you cash out in B. Payments are made by bank transfers, WeChat Pay, Alipay. Now, the governments are trying to stop that. Uh, they give me a lot of threats and all that, but the reality is when money flows, you can't really tell what's behind the reason for the money flow. So it's very hard to actually stop the flow of money. Okay? So speculative trading is also alive and well. And Bitcoin as an investment, it's actually become a safe haven investment. A lot of my friends have been calling me over this past year saying, uh, what should I do with this extra 100,000 RMB? Should I invest in Bitcoin? Because they're not seeing good returns in the stock market. They're, the real estate has peaked out. So they're really looking for alternative investments, asset classes, and Bitcoin is becoming that global safe haven asset class for investment. Okay, so uh, if anyone tells you China has banned Bitcoin, well, technically they've banned it twice already, but uh, the reality is it's alive and well in China. Yeah, another interesting fact is the whole Facebook Libra token and China and how they're battling back and forth. It's pretty interesting. Okay, with that, let's get to crypto Twitter. Crypto Twitter. So today we are talking Binance versus Digibyte, all about that controversy that you want to know about. Now, this is between Jared Tate, founder of Digibyte and CZ owner, CEO of Binance. And this whole controversy started with Digibyte refusing to pay Binance's listing fee. And uh, this is kind of what happened. So Jerry Tate says, one of eight in tweets, he says, it's time to set the Binance record straight and let the world know the truth. The Binance Digibyte story starts with us refusing to pay the listing fee last summer and fall and continuing to refuse to ever pay it for the last 12 months. Several key members of the Digibyte community were accused of being Chinese spies last fall on WeChat, groups attempting to undermine CZ, groups that none of us were ever a part of or aware of since none of us use WeChat. And then CZ, he says, I don't ever recall seeing an apology being made publicly, just peace offers or let's forget the past. I don't think we ever attacked Digibyte other than not listening it, but not going to get into a debate. There's nothing we require from Digibyte and Digibyte would do well without Binance too. If Digibyte wants to list on Binance, a real apology would be good and we will review in a few months time. The core members who made those comments need to apologize publicly. It's a simple matter of owning up to one's own mistakes. I don't think it would require us to spell this out. 
But anyway, good luck. <laughs> and that looks like it came from Telegram uh, with CZ, Binance's director of Binance development, Ashley Oyang. She said that the, uh, what is your budget? Jared says, you said there is a fee. What is the listing fee? Ashley says, yes, we charge a bit high. Uh, he said, what's high? And then she goes, I want to know your budget. And then Jared Tate posted on crypto Twitter that did a video call with the Binance team a few weeks ago. They wanted $300,000 and 3% of all Digibyte for insurance for their customers against blockchain hacks and defects. Uh, told them that is not possible with a truly decentralized blockchain like Binance. And then CZ came back and said, interesting in a fucked up kind of way. I think he specifically does not want Digibyte listed on Binance. Not going to waste any time on these type of guys. There are more interesting things to do in my life. Moving on. And then Jared Tate says, apologize for bowing to corruption and greed. Tommy and I had respect for you. But if you genuinely believe we are in the wrong here, you need to have your head checked. CZ and Binance need to apologize to the Digibyte community. We don't need them. They are a single centralized point of failure. And then CZ Binance said, the real sad part is if it was not for this Jared guy, or if he simply did nothing, Digibyte most likely would be listed on Binance long ago. Sad, some small toxic members hurt the community. And that's Digibyte versus Binance on crypto Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it happened over like a span of like three or four days. It was pretty interesting. I mean, I would just say just from my vantage point, it, it looks like this is I mean, this has happened before with CZ and Binance. Uh, this goes back from 2017 that people said that they charged a lot to get listed. I know some people in the space. Uh, I don't want to name anybody. Uh, but they get listed and there's no charge. So it really is kind of, um, you know, how well you know CZ <laughs> and whether he likes your project or not, whether you can get in for free. Um, but that's just what I've heard. OK, with that, let's get into Coin360. <music> Report. All right. So today we have a coin market cap of 220 billion. That's right. We got Bitcoin dominance falling down to 68.5%. Bitcoin is still down at $8,400. We got Ethereum at $169. Got XRP at 24 cents. It's actually up a 1%. <laughs> we have a Bitcoin Cash at $225 and then Litecoin at $56. If you look at our 24 hour change on the green, we have a Criterium up 15% today at 53 cents. We have Loom Network at 3 cents up 10%. Got Factum at $3.09 up 10%. We got 0x at 22 cents up 10%. And Elastos up 10% at $2.08. If you look at our 24 hour change on the red, we have Aurora Coin at 6 thousandths of a tenth down 12%. V Systems, which is. <laughs> Who knows what kind of coin that is? <laughs> it's down 10% at seven cents. Algorand, the venture capitalist coin out there, down 8% at 19 cents. And we got Beam down 7% on the day at 92 cents. Yeah, I mean, as long as we stay above that 200 day moving average, I think we'll be all right. If we fall below that, then who knows where we're going? Next stop, 7,200. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Not anytime soon. With that, let's get on to the end of the show.
Alright, ladies and gentlemen, another Thriller News is Dunsey's. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. If you want to check out more of what we do here at Thriller Crypto, head over to ThrillerX.com. Yesterday, we created a Thriller Coin Talk where we covered the SEC. That's right, failing crypto all over again, <laughs> just like they did last year. But it's okay. We're covering it all day, all week, all night long. Buy Bitcoin, save the world. See you tomorrow. This is the end of the show. You have been listening to Thriller Podcast with Har Gonzalez. Remember, Thriller Podcast is not financial advice. Everything Har says likely won't come true. It is up to you. Now go, do your own research. Listen to other dudes that start their name with crypto and not Har. And remember, buy Bitcoin and save the world. One Satoshi at a time. 